0: I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Welcome to Beauty Bosses. I'm so pleased to introduce you all to my two amazing guests today, Dr. Andy Miro and Dr. Michael Appa. As you may know, you probably know, these guys are revolutionizing aesthetic dentistry and changing how everybody thinks about the smile, doing really cool things with porcelain veneers, and that's just the start of it. Um, We have some multinational practices going on here, celebrity clientele, tons of awards and press, and today we're going to talk all about dentistry, and your journey, and the smile. The
1: exciting uh, (laughs) topic of dentistry.
0: Exactly, the exciting topic of dentistry. So welcome.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank
0: you guys so much for being here. I wanted to start by asking you guys why you chose to go into cosmetic dentistry.
2: Well, for me, um, it was in my first year that I heard... Two very legendary speakers, two of whom I work for right now today. Um, I heard Dr. Michael Appa and Dr. Larry Rosenthal speak um, as a first-year student, and I was really blown away. I I can't even tell you. He was. They were both swarmed after their lectures, and <laughs> people just kind of flocked to them. And you you would think like you can never. Uh, be close to anything like that. And over time, I got to know both of them, got to shadow in their office a little bit. And, I mean, the, the level of dentistry was just, it blew my mind. And I really focused my last year on doing cosmetics in NYU and just really trying to build my skills. I was fortunate enough after school to uh, become an associate at the practice, and I've been learning side by side them ever since so it's been pretty cool awesome
1: yeah Yeah. no I think cosmetic dentistry blends um general dentistry which I wanted to be a dentist from when I was a kid but I think what it does is it um you know when I was coming up even in high school I can remember it was a lifestyle and a level of dentistry that I wanted to be involved with it was something where It took the ordinary dental visit and made it exciting and rewarding, Um, and I think that was what really drew me to cosmetic dentistry, is it's not, you know, getting people numb, going in the back of their mouth, doing things they couldn't see, like this was in the front, and it had a much more artistic approach to it, which I was always drawn to, so... I think for those reasons, I always knew that I wanted to be in, in this special field.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's also what interested me about plastic surgery. Yeah. And I think the fields are kind of similar in a way yeah, because very. it's those are some of the few doctor's visits that people actually look forward to. Mm-hmm. Like they know they're going to leave feeling perked up and attractive and sort of better about themselves. Right. And it's all about the artistic eye. Right. So this... May seem like an easy question, but what do you guys think the most attractive facial feature is?
1: The smile. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was a softball, okay. I mean, felt like to be collegial, I thought, was it, a, it was a little bit of a softball. No. Did you know in plastic surgery we think it's the cheekbones? We yeah. say that 70% of facial beauty is the cheekbones, but
1: no, let's hear
0: the case for the smile. All
1: right, here, here's what's interesting about cosmetic dentistry. Beauty, which we all are seeking in both of our professions and dermatology, has to do with symmetry, creating symmetry, creating balance in someone's face. Right. What we figured out in cosmetic dentistry that I think is really interesting is there is no such thing as perfect symmetry to any human face, right? And with cosmetic dentistry, because it's so bright, right, just because of the colors and textures and tones that we're doing in the teeth, we can actually Tie in asymmetries to an asymmetrical smile, and make the entire face seem more symmetrical just by doing the teeth, and that's why I think the smile. The smile, if it's off, uh, it changes the lower third of the face, and it's something that can be picked up immediately. So it's you,
0: amazing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and you may not be born with great cheekbones. Like there's just so many things. Like I. Have I can
0: a, help with that, guys. Right, right, right. I have
1: a big forehead. <laughs> right? But I can I comp- like it. I, know, I feel but-
0: like you wear it so well. <laughs> right?
1: But the thing is, like, everyone's gonna have their thing. But I think with a smile, you can really tie in certain facial features, certain pronunciations of someone's facial features, and either accentuate them with a smile or decentuate them with a smile and bring more attention to the smile. So it really plays an important part in just overall harmonization of the face which I think is important. Yeah, and that's
2: cool. What do you think? The more that I see um, cases being done, the more cases that I do. I mean, it's about creating balance, and it's so interesting to see you can envision where the teeth belong in the face, and once you put them there, everything just kind of makes sense. It, it's just in harmony with the face. So it's a pretty cool um, profession to be able to envision and then just execute um Patients see it right away too. They understand that something was off before and now it's, now it's balanced.
0: Yeah. One thing that I always think about with my work is global facial aesthetics because sometimes you can get in a situation where someone sees a wrinkle on their face and you sort of don't want to magnify it in a way because you don't want to chase every imperfection mm-hmm. and chase every wrinkle. Mm-hmm. You kind of want to take a step back and look at the overall facial beauty. You know that old adage... Like, right before you leave the house, spin around and take one thing off so that you don't over-accessorize, right? Right. Who would want to do that? Right. It's sort of like that for me with facial beauty. Do you guys have an analogy in dentistry where you feel like sometimes people try to take it a little bit too far?
1: Yeah, for us, it's color.
0: 100%. Oh, like bright, 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 bright white?
1: Yeah, so people... It's interesting because people see, you know, less and less in our practice because we've really been very um clear on how we market to our patients and i always feel which is another topic but i always feel that you really this is, that's why there's no such thing as competition you really draw the type of patients that you put out into the world mm-hmm. right and so the patients that we draw are less and less like this but they still you know there's a few that bring in that picture that they'll unfold like a magazine or a booklet of smiles that they've collected that they say like i like this one i like this one you see this i like this and it's always an overexposed photograph of someone right so you hit it with a flash and like your teeth andy's teeth my teeth would look extremely big and white if we overexpose it with a flash and it's not reality and so they put that on the table and this is the color of teeth that i want and they look like huge white chiclets Right, it just looks like white stuff in in the mouth and it's not real so when they try and reach for that we've gotten very good at understanding and how to start the conversation from the top all the way through the consultation into the execution with what we call a trial smile which is a temporary smile that's part of the process of getting your teeth done that will actually give them a very good rendering of what their final color can look like. And then from there, they can base on, they can say, like, okay, you're right, that is extremely crazy looking, right? And let's tone it down a little bit. But definitely for us, people have to take a step back and say, like, you know, you don't want your, we, we say you don't want your teeth to walk into the room before you do. Right. So, <laughs>
0: Absolutely. That's awkward, right? Yeah. Nobody wants right. that. Right. Um, so who has the best smile in Hollywood? Oh, that's a good one. Um, or your short list. <laughs> who out there, which public figures have a really awesome smile?
2: I mean, it's always funny to say, but I love Julia Roberts' smile, and she doesn't have anything done. and But she has a wide smile, and she's so known for her smile. But if you really look at it, it's got a lot of irregularities, which make it her and make it nice. Um, Jessica Alba, love her smile. I mean... The list goes on and on. I'm sure there's a couple that I'm not thinking of right now. Michael, what do you think?
0: <laughs> who, has, who has your favorite smile in the wide world?
1: You know, it's interesting because a smile is so much more than just teeth, right? It's all about like how they smile, the expression, if their eyes smile with their face. I mean, the reality is 99% of Hollywood has great teeth. Or a great smile, or else they wouldn't be on camera at this point. I mean, what's really funny is if you watch an old movie, like from the 80s, and you look at the teeth then versus any movie now, you'll see bad teeth that weren't done. Right. And now everyone has had something done to make sure that it doesn't look like that. Very few people have naturally great, white, camera-ready teeth.
0: It's kind of like that with Botox and fillers, too, where... You know, everybody does it and it's so subtle and so judicious and it's become so much of an art form that the best work does not walk, you know, you don't walk into the room with your smooth forehead, Right. you just walk in.
2: And people say, you look great, what have you been doing? You look (laughs) like you've been on vacation, that's that's what you want, same thing with a smile.
0: Yeah. So, I know that you guys see patients from all over the world and I wanted to ask you, how tastes vary from region to one region to the next. That's
2: a great question. Um, I mean, we have patients that come from all over because of the reach of Instagram. People are seeing it. Right. All over that's the world. amazing, isn't it? Which is really cool. And I know you. You're really familiar. You you know get patients every day from different parts of the world. Yeah, there's my map. Oh, <laughs> <Well>, that's great. <laughs>
0: that's
2: ah, pretty cool. interesting. Pretty cool. Um, but I think that. You know, for every person, it's a little bit different, Um, and you know, it has a lot to do with their skin tone. It has a lot to do with the person that they are, um, the character that their teeth will have. So, you know, I think a lot of it is is their their facial features, their bone structure, all of those things play a role, and it really doesn't matter from what part of the world uh, they are. I'm sure Dr. Appa has something to say about this because he sees patients in the Middle East that are from many different places. Right. So,
0: Michael, tell us how your Dubai practice is different from your New York practice.
1: Well, it's interesting because I would say that a lot of times when patients request certain smiles, it has to do with the level of education in that region. Meaning, first of all, continuing education of dentistry in the Middle East now has picked up, but Five years ago, ten years ago when I started practicing there, there wasn't much good cosmetic dental post-doctorate education there. So a lot of the big companies like Lumineers and things like that were marketing very well to that region, which gave people the idea, the dentists that were speaking to their patients, which is where the patients were getting their information from, that they should have no prep, right, stick-on veneers that are big and white. So that became the aesthetic of the Middle East, and only you saw the worldly people who were going to Europe for the summer, going to America for the summer, going to Asia, that that really understood the global essence of really what a great smile should look like. So it's not that, you know, and then obviously you always say, the Europeans used to say like, oh, Americans, their teeth are too white, but now we have Europeans that want teeth whiter than Americans. You know what I'm saying? And the Americans have toned it down. So it really has a lot to do with the level of um, exposure that the general public has to the procedures that gives you their aesthetic. And you can see sometimes it's obviously a lot of these procedures originate in the United States and that's where a lot of the, the forefront of the procedure comes from. So Porcelain veneers started here in the 80s, right? And it took a long time to filter into Europe and a longer time to filter into the Middle East, so their tastes were lag, <laughs> lagging behind ours.
0: What do you think the biggest misconception
2: is with porcelain veneers?
1: That they look fake.
2: You have to drill down your tooth to nothing. I mean, people think that we're cutting the whole tooth. Most preparation is is... Scratching the surface depending on the teeth, depending on the position of the teeth.
0: And how long do porcelain veneers last, The average person?
2: I would say between 15 and 20 years they last, and I see it every day. We see hygiene recalls, patients that come in that have had veneers in for 20 years, and they look really good.
0: Okay, so I've been wanting to know this, just to make sure that I'm being good. (laughs) So tell me. Don't hold back. What are the worst common habits that people have that are totally messing up their teeth? Then you cringe when you see them and when you hear about them.
2: I have so many patients that suck on lemons. I don't, like, why would you do this to your teeth? It's pure acid you're putting on your teeth. Yeah, well, I knew that acid and enamel. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't that's make so sense. Good. Um, nail biting? Yep. nail biting will do it. Really? Yeah. It's the
1: number one thing that will chip your teeth. Really? Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Nail biters,
1: nervous people, grinders, yeah. clenchers that don't wear night guards. Yeah. These, that's what
0: Well, now we do so much Botox and masseters yeah. for facial slimming as well as night grinding, so that helps.
1: But you know what's interesting is probably clenching and grinding is the number one thing that will deteriorate not only your teeth, but the lower third of your face. right? Because it grinds your teeth away, which causes the sinking. The sinking causes the loss of support. Um, it causes effractive lesions to the teeth, warp, wear away of tooth structure, shifting, mm-hmm. right? 20s, 30s, and especially in 40s, your lower teeth start to crowd. When that happens and you're clenching, your front teeth start to stick out. Yeah. And everything becomes narrow and you become hollow. As you're losing cheek fat, your smile's also going in. So when you smile, you look really thin and hollow. So what you guys do is
0: yeah give totally volume to the chill out the angle of the mandible right. fix the jawline right. lift the facial and right. neck tissues and what the we lips. do yeah, yeah and
1: what we do is push the smile out yeah. to, to give support and we always say it's like you know an extreme version to really visualize this is think of someone that has a denture right take their denture out what happens to their mouth completely caves in put the denture back in and it not only gives a smile back, but it really fills the lower third of the face back out. Totally. And that's what clenching and grinding really does over time. I
0: always tell patients that your bony infrastructure is the seat of your facial beauty and the soft tissue drapes over it. It's like if you try to hang a coat on a hanger that's too small, Mm -hmm. you can have the most beautiful tailored coat and it'll look like a floppy mess. Right. You kind of need the support. Right. 100%. Okay, so this is a question for my kids. What is the going rate for a tooth these days if a kid loses a tooth? My kids are telling me these outrageous sums of money, and I want to hear it from some official experts. How much should I be putting under the pillow on behalf of the Tooth Fairy?
1: Your kids live in New York? <laughs> yeah. it's Mark's They live in care. this neighborhood. <laughs> they live in the Upper East Side? It's like 50 bucks a molar. <laughs> no. She was like, Upper East Side kids. I have five kids. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. one on the way. Yeah, yeah. No, twenty dollars I would say is correct, but you're <gasps> For a two... Yeah. Twenty what's twenty bucks get you today? That's not even an Uber downtown. <laughs> Why does my five year old need to go downtown? <laughs> you, believe me, because my alright, so my kids are eighteen and sixteen. Okay. But, but when they I think my kids had phones when they were like seven, eight. Yeah. And seven. and that was however long ago. I mean, I'm, your kids are going to have phones soon.
0: I know. My son's asking for an Instagram account. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's reality. So he
0: can be the next Andy in and
1: that <laughs> Yeah.
0: So tell us about Instagram. I know both of you guys have really awesome Instagram presences, and um, it's an amazing marketing tool, but tell us a couple of tips that you have for people who are out there thinking about starting a professional Instagram.
2: So it's actually cool because we met when you only had, like, 7,000 followers. And I met him also when he had about 5,000 followers. And, like, both of you now are in your hundreds of thousands, and I'm still working there. But um, I think for me, I like to put I'll in... re-gram you tonight. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds good. Um, I think for me, it's that. It's a lot of collaborations. But it's, I like to put out really good content, a little bit of my life, a little bit of dentistry, what I'm really passionate about... And then on Insta Stories, the day-to-day, the fun stuff that we do in the office. I mean, we have fun all day. I like people to see that because if you're coming to our office, you should be aware that we're going we're gonna to laugh, we're going to have fun with you. It's not a scary dental visit. So a little bit of everything.
0: Okay. And, Michael, what are your tips for Instagram?
1: You have to be focused with what you're trying to achieve with your Instagram account. You know, when I first started practicing dentistry, it was 15 years ago. And the way to reach your patients was to get in Vogue. And now, unfortunately, that does not hold weight like it did at all. Before, if you had a good article that explained what you did in Vogue, your phones would be dialed in for six months. Mm-hmm. Now, it's like you, you might not even get a phone call, maybe one or two. It's just not the same. So the weight, and, and you got to really be thinking about, like, how am I reaching patients? And for me... our practices it really is a lot I mean obviously it's referrals from other doctors referrals from patients are strong but the masses the big numbers come from Instagram I mean I get probably 10 to 15 email requests a day from Instagram and then from that you have to you know qualify them and and all those things but the idea is you have to be focused. I mean, my every third picture of mine is a before and after. It's my portfolio for people to look through. There's very, like, my kids aren't on it. My wife is barely on it, which you have to explain. My mother, on, <laughs> on New Year's Day, wouldn't pick up my phone call because she was mad at me because I don't put her on my... She said, I don't even... You know, you talk about Larry and you talk about Lisa, my wife... But you don't even talk about your mother and father on your Instagram account. And I'm saying, Mom, my Instagram account is not real. It's not my life. I know, it's my right? work. Yeah.
0: I, it's so funny. I unfollowed my siblings' <laughs> kids and my mom. And I unfollowed a lot of people who were very close to me just because they were getting too much unwanted scrutiny. Yeah. Just because I don't follow many people. Right. Yeah. And um, I also had to explain that which was
1: little it's bit It's touchy. Work. It's touchy. A little sensitive, right? Yeah. 100%. But the reality is with my account, I'm sh- trying to be inspirational to dentists. I'm trying to be informative to more patients, not doctors. You know, a lot of doctors go on my account and they say, how do you do this? How come you're not showing that? How come you're not showing the prep? Like, I'm not showing preps on my Instagram. It's not like, if you don't understand that, then you shouldn't be on Instagram. Patients don't want to see prepped teeth on it. It's like whenever
0: no. I post a graphic surgical video, I get <laughs> so many of the vomit face emojis yeah. on my
1: feet. Yeah, they want to see. They don't the want to see stuff. that. Oh, no, of course. I like it. So no, we cool. do it's as cool. doctors. We do, <laughs> but 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 that's what I'm saying. Is like no, I'm I very know. focused. Exactly. It, like that's not my I Instagram. I like it. Like, if you want to know about how we do things, I always say like, "I'm lecturing these dates. You can come, and I'll be happy to share all my secrets." But. The Instagram account is for the general public to get them excited about coming into the office, and and it's very focused on that.
0: Okay, so now this is a current event. Actually, it's not so current anymore, but it's a current event question. What do you guys think of all of these articles saying that you don't have to floss anymore?
1: It's such garbage. Who
0: decided that?
1: You want to know who decides it? What happens is dentists or someone who wants to be in the press... A a, uh, a a junior associate at a magazine, a .com, comes to a dentist and says, I heard about um, that you don't have to floss. Like, where she hears about this, I have no idea. Heard about you don't have floss. Do you want to co- comment about it for the magazine? Sure I will. Yeah, yeah, flossing's not that big a deal. Yeah. And then it goes into this viral story. It was like, Oil pulling mm-hmm. was big. Not Got a thing, right? Charcoal, charcoal toothpaste was a thing. No! Wait, let's do a
0: factor myth. Flossing. Fact. That. That's good. has, I mean, has to be fact. To you have fact. Have to Yeah, floss. you have to, okay. have to floss. Okay. Oil pulling? BS. Oh. Charcoal? No.
1: BS. Don't use it.
0: Baking soda?
1: BS. No. Really? Yeah. Okay. Crest. So crest. With all this stuff in, those like sulfate, on your... that's good. <laughs> Mouthwash? Yeah, but not glycerine. Which one? Something without alcohol.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: What's interesting is Listerine. I just saw this. Used to be uh, for embalming bodies back in the nineteen hundreds. <laughs> and then as they started to you dilute it, yeah, as they started to dilute it, they found that it could kill palatosis in the nineteen twenties. But it originated from. Late 1800s. It killed so
0: many organisms <laughs> yeah. before the ones that caused background. Yeah. Oh
1: my god. Amazing.
0: That's interesting. Oh um, okay, so we've been talking a lot about the mouth and the teeth. What do you guys do for your skin?
1: <laughs> don't look well, at the lobster Don't Would worry I,
0: I can help you with what
1: that What I do for my skin is Now we'll I Talk
0: about it offline
1: I read I read that if you Burn your skin in the sun It gets rid of wrinkles So I tested that out This weekend
0: How's that going? And I'm
1: happy to say That it's not true It's a myth it's a Okay myth. Yeah.
0: That's For you kids out there That's what we call A randomized controlled trial <laughs> With an N equals one yeah. So But we're going with it um, Okay Okay Any other tips? Um,
2: I mean, I'm really into, like, lots of moisturizers. I got my Chanel moisturizer all day. Um, I really try to do a couple face masks every now and again, like, to really just pull all the stuff off your face, especially when wearing makeup and have to make sure you take care of yourself getting totally. facial every once in a while you know? well because
0: one of your treats today to thank you for participating is you each had a product from Scientific Beauty, my skincare line so I've
2: been dying to use that we'll, lip plumper So it's that's really awesome so we'll get you a
0: lip plumper sure. Dr. Appa
1: I'm all about plumping lip
0: plump. it's really good,
1: you're going to like it I love
0: niacin, hyaluronic acid, ceramides bring it on you're going to have the best lips around <laughs> I love it Um, Okay, amazing. Well, this is Beauty Bosses, and we're wrapping up, but I wanted to close by asking you guys what beauty means to you. Just briefly in a sentence or two.
2: I mean, for me, because I am a dentist, the most rewarding things, I think, are giving somebody the teeth that they should have been born with. I mean, restoring their smile, people that were born with crooked teeth, crowded teeth, discolored teeth, and giving them the smile that they always wanted but never thought that they could potentially have. And I think that's one of the most exciting things for me, um, is really just seeing the person change. Their whole attitude, how they take care of themselves, it just changes when they have something to take care of. When they're happy with their smile, they become happier with themselves. We see a lot of times, Dr. Appa talks about it a lot, patients start to lose weight, they go to the gym, their whole body changes because they're happy with themselves, so it's pretty cool.
1: Simple and classic, that is my definition of beauty, mm-hmm. and it's what I'm always looking for. I hate overdone. I hate overdone dressing. I hate overdone cars. Even though I love Ferraris, <laughs> which are not overdone, they are simple and classic. They are. Okay. It's just most people <laughs> don't understand that. Um, but yeah, for me, beauty is like easy simple and classic. I'm oh, yeah, that, that's that's my style.
0: Okay. And finally, what does it mean to you to be a boss? Andy and then Michael.
2: Um, I don't know if I consider myself a boss. My boss is sitting right next to me, but <laughs> but um, you're a girl
0: boss. Yeah. I feel like you're inspiring to <clears throat> so many young women and yeah, I feel like yeah. you're demonstrating a lot of leadership.
2: Well, I don't take it lightly. I really try to give my best every day to my work and to each patient that I see. So I think it's just all about hard work and really just giving everything of yourself and you know making sure that at the end of the day you're happy with what you're doing and and I love what I do, so I'm really happy.
0: What do you think? What does it mean to you to be a boss?
1: I mean really I I think the important part or the, the best part about being a boss is to be able to inspire others bring out their best selves, and it goes all the way from students you're working with, your staff is critically important, two different countries, um, even your patients, I mean a lot of times they patients are coming to you to feel better about themselves, and it's not just the procedure, it's your attitude. Um, so for me it's about uh, always being positive and trying to inspire others to, to, to feel great as well
0: amazing well thank you guys so much yeah you You both are amazing and we are excited to hear about all of your new developments and progress your new office expansion and more good things to come thank you for being here thanks for having us